Welcome back to the Pit Stop Podcast. I'm Braden Deller-Coltman. I'm joined here by Tyler Walzak and Jordan Deller-Coltman. We had a very eventful Austrian Grand Prix take place last weekend, um, seeing Charles Leclerc return to P1, uh, Max Verstappen back in P2, and Lewis Hamilton rounding out the podium in P3. Uh, the race started out with uh, some well, before the race even started, we had some kind of senseless, inexcusable behavior from some drunken fans uh, at the at the Red Bull ring. Um, guys, I'm hoping that this is just a one-off and this, this isn't something that we can talk about as being an F1 fan, um, you know, regular uh, event and activity we'll talk about. But first and foremost, I want to talk like... This this was the first time we saw. We didn't even talk about this in our preview of the race and the and the track itself. But the cars couldn't stay on the track. We had forty three incidents uh, of of uh, track limits being exceeded. Tyler, what were your like? Is this just? I mean, this we haven't seen this in Austria before. I don't think. And is this it, just? It was weird. Actually, so when we did our preview last week, I was wanting to mention that there was a lot of um, time penalties that happened in the race last year, not as many that happened this year, but last year there was, I think um, there was a 10 second for Albon. I think Gasly had a five second, but it did happen last year a little bit, but not to the extent it was. And it wasn't just the race where it happened. It happened all during qualifying Perez in qual. He got into qualifying three and then he got the penalty, the five placement penalty because he uh, went over track limits, which could have got Gasly in the, into qualifying three um and and maybe he wouldn't have got to eighth because the mercedes went out but uh jordan did mention to me last night or the night before that russell actually had a lap in to get fit but it was weird like everybody was going off and everyone was frustrated about it and i it was consistent at least you can say that and it's uh you have to stay on the track it's you have to stay on the track and and so that what that means though is that the inner tire on a, you know say on the left side mm-hmm. your inner right tire has to be at least within still on the line it can't exceed yeah. that is that correct yeah the white line around the track you have to stay it's it's kind of like yeah some part of the car has to always be on or within that line so if you and, go all the way out then that is a, that's an exception and you get like three warnings i think you get three warnings there's a, and then what, it's a black the, and white flag is, black is and white it? flag and then you get the, the next time you do it it's uh it's a five second penalty five second penalty which was interesting because we saw that happen to a few different uh ra- race drivers or uh yeah race drivers but uh you know it was it was interesting to see was that going to determine the actual order by the end of it and then we saw you know Pierre, i think it was Gasly who got a five second penalty uh due to that and or maybe it was, was norris it norris had one gasly had one uh there was a couple other guys that i think there was two more guys that got him but a lot of black and white flags it feels like it everybody a got a black and white flag for and you'd, sure you'd, you'd think if you were in the car you would know if you had exceeded that line as well that's the interesting thing that when you watch like if you're watching the race they do talk about it and they put you in the the, the cockpit uh camera and it's tough to see where you're outside of your tire is within that limit or not because everybody was kind of saying like no i'm not I've, I've been in i've been in and even lewis hamilton talking to his uh his pit said i if i'm going off everybody else must be going off and they had to they calm him down and be like yeah there's been a bunch of penalties given out already so it was yeah it was it was during the sprint race where guys were kind of 
hitting the limits, but especially in qualifying, there was two or three guys that at, at least that had a uh, laps uh, deleted. And at the end of the race, uh, there was a lap that was deleted as well. Uh, or Hamilton, that- had a, Hamilton had a Hamilton had a fastest lap deleted, but I don't know if it was at the end of the race. It was during the race, I think. Right. And so what that means, they take it away. Do they give it to the next fastest lap or is it just completely removed from the race, Jordan? No, the next fastest guy gets it because he had the fastest lap. That yeah. was really a, a like a, a true lap. Yeah, it is a weird thing. We've seen it in a few different places. We often see it out in, uh, I think uh, last year we see it quite a few times at, at um, uh, Qatar. I don't know. I'm trying to remember the name of the circuit. I can't remember. But in their Qatar race last year, there were a few incidents or inc- incidents where drivers were like, I can't stay on this track. Like it, it, I'm right on the line. I should just, yeah. we got to adjust this. But, you know, it's interesting. There was a lot of, conversation coming out of um the race before this one with dealing with like the sausage curbs um that are around like the the british grand prix circuit at silverstone and and there was i don't know a fair bit of sort of grumbling and mumbling from around the f1 world about like should we just get rid of sausage curbs this is like an old-fashioned way to try to keep cars on the circuit why don't we just penalize them for going off well austria demonstrated why sometimes not having a deterrent allows drivers to drive past the limit and it yeah it's almost like which 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 of the two sort of I don't know, results is, is more tenable as a fan. It's like, wouldn't you rather have the drivers really trying not to, to go off because they know that it'll physically punish their car as opposed to just sort of dealing with all of these time penalties and and, and, and trying to do the mathematics uh, at the end of the race to figure out who's where. I mean, it was interesting, Russell getting the five second penalty earlier. Well, maybe you want to talk more about the actual incident, but his was one of those penalties that came from like causing a collision, which we see on all circuits all year round. But what was interesting is he served that penalty early in the race and was able to secure fourth place without mm-hmm. worrying about where the time penalty was. Whereas some of these other drivers, you know, literally crossing the checkered flag at the end of the race, not knowing exactly if they'd put enough of a gap between them and the car behind them to hold the position that they'd earned. Yeah. And it was, uh, Hamilton was the one that was more vocal about everybody doing it. And he had 30 seconds to the next guy behind him. So if he got a penalty, it wouldn't have mattered. So that's also something I, I don't know if those guys think about, like, obviously they do think about it, but I don't know how much the, the directors say, you know what, you have 30 seconds behind you. So it's okay. If you want to do it one more time, yeah, or you at least it. have that slip up. So you don't have to worry too, too much about it. But like Norris, I think Norris lost two places because of his five second uh, time. I don't know if that's right or not, but um, yes. So it's, it is a big thing, but it happened all the time. It's going to happen in the, when we start talking about the next race too. Like that's, yeah. we'll, we'll get into that when we start talking about it, but it was a great weekend and to, to awkwardly pivot the, the sprint race was great. It was awkward and weird watching Ferrari fight each other so hard in that sprint yeah. race. I was very worried that those guys were going to, and it was, we talked about it last week that it's going to be a problem with Ferrari. And I thought that whole thing was going to blow up on Saturday. I was very concerned. For I'm Ferrari. sure they were too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Watching those guys go side to side, like Leclerc almost did an illegal defense on one point on signs just to keep him off. Like it was wild watching those guys race on a Saturday for essentially something that doesn't mean anything. You do not want to put a car in a wall on a sprint race. You you've lost all momentum for your Sunday. Grand Prix. Talking about the sprint race though, and, and, and risky driving, how do, how do we feel about the, the contact Gasly had there in, in, during the sprint? On the sprint, no, he had a contact with uh, Vettel. He took Vettel out in the race. Yeah, but he, he also had contact with he also had contact with George Russell during the sprint. 
that ended up not costing him well it cost him position but there was another one of those positions like i mean the sprint is is, is set up where guys in the back are pushing and pushing and I yeah think, you know the challenge you you do end up with is what's the risk versus reward right and some drivers like alonzo are always risk uh first right they don't care yeah. whether it, it ends the race or not they're going to push for it and i think Gasly's getting to that place right now in the season where we've seen him take some risky maneuvers some of them have paid off and obviously he's he's getting a little close on a couple of them but I think with Gasly and the middle of the pack runners for sprint weekend, that's where you want to be the guy that can kind of be more risk, more reward at the top, like the Ferraris and Red Bulls and the Mercedes. There's, there's no reason for them to be as risky in a sprint race because you want to be at the top for more points on the Sunday, but the guys that are at the back of the field in the middle of the pack, this is their chance to have that one out of three weekends of the year where you could potentially jump up to fifth or sixth and get a better starting spot based on just be like better pace and racing harder on a sprint day on a shorter um, 25 laps. So that's why you see like Alonso's and those guys benefit from that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of pace though, again, Mercedes, we're, we're seeing this become more of a norm now. Like early on we went, okay, is this, is this the new thing now for, for Mercedes to be kind of near the middle of the pack and, you know, Lewis Hamilton is, is now pushing for podiums again. And George Russell is constantly within top five, um, you know, a, for, a fortunate and unfortunate situation we'll get to with Carlos Sainz here, but Hamilton Russell, let's, I want to talk about th- their race here. I mean, again, fantastic, fantastic driving. Yeah. Three, four finish. And both guys put their cars in the wall during qualifying. And that's tough to do. Like one car is hard for a crew to get turned around back onto the track the next day to have both cars in the wall with significant damage. It wasn't like just a rear wing, like both those axles on the right side and left side of their cars uh, were completely damaged. So it was almost like a kind of a full model rebuild. They didn't have to touch the engine or anything, Um, but it was to finish third and fourth after that. And to have Hamilton was actually kind of paced out each lap where the winners where the ferraris were so if he was closer in the end it, he actually had a chance to win that race um just based on pace if there was like a safety car or something that did come out at the end well and it almost did right we when when we lost signs that really i think that really disadvantaged hamilton because he had just gone to a very bold strategy choice of changing to the mediums um near the end of the race and he, he was gaining a little bit of um, pace per lap there at that point had it gone to a full safety car and bunched them up maybe he would have had a better opportunity because he would have had mediums that were warmed up where unfortunately mm-hmm. because it was a virtual safety car and they just held their delta it, it allowed uh, both uh, both uh, Leclerc and also uh, Verstappen ahead of him to switch to the mediums too and it, by that point third is the best he was going to achieve because there was no way he was catching them on the same tires but uh, but it was it was it, as Braden said it's positive to see that since you know probably canada the last two races especially and even a couple before that we've started to see mercedes take big steps forward silverstone was a revelation for them in terms of being able to completely get rid of the porpoising um they're still a little bit off the pace and slow speed corners they're going to have to work on that part of the car whether they can get that turned around this season or that's something that they focus on towards next year's uh, car i don't know but they definitely um you know, in a straight line, they're pushing um, the pace and it's definitely a three team race uh, in the constructor side of it, which is nice. Mercedes has done a very good job of managing points and they have been one of the more reliable cars, even with these incidents in qualifying when it comes to actual race day, for the most part, they've been able to keep, you know, relatively clean. We've, we saw a couple of races ago, Hamilton get m- sort of mixed up in an incident early on, but they're not having the engine failures that's that Ferrari's yeah. having or, or that Red Bull was having early on. And 
from that perspective, I think that they're going to be probably pretty happy to be where they are. Um, you know, uh, in, in, in the, in the driver's standing, they're right there too, right. Hamilton and Russell, Russell's a little bit ahead, obviously, cause he's, he's been, he had more early Top success, five. but you know, yeah. it's five, six for Russell Hamilton and the only cars ahead of them are Red Bulls or Ferrari. So they're doing everything that they can um, to get into this fight um, at the top. And, and so far to be fair, um, you know, I think that uh, Verstappen and Leclerc have gone back and forth a few times and we're at the halfway point of the season. There's yes. still a lot of racing to go and there's a lot of things that could change here as teams sort of begin to settle into the, to the upgrades that they've gotten. And we'll see a few more upgrades come, but at some point here, teams are going to turn their focus towards next year and Mercedes will have to make the decision pretty quick about where they are with that. The good thing is they're also building a hell of a gap between them and everybody else. So it's, it's yeah. the top three well, and then Mercedes and Alpine and pardon me, McLaren and Alpine and uh, Haas, I guess are, are the let's ones. Talk about Haas. Well, that's who, let's that's talk exactly about Haas. That's exactly where I want to yeah. turn this. I, I, I mean, we, we, we saw Lewis Hamilton battling the Haas team in qualifying and in now the race, uh, you know, ultimately, beating them but magnuson had a great race finished eighth mick schumacher this is his, this is p6 mick schumacher. Uh, like come on <laughs> yeah and so uh, jordan was just talking about upgrades haas has not upgraded their car at all this year so for them to finish six and eight so this is back to back double points i think they got um or this is the second time this year they've had double points a double point finish so yeah it must have been back to back because mix was last week um but man haas looks good and haas is exciting and they're fast and from mick schumacher after he got those points last week to what he did this week he was race car driving this week he was against lewis hamilton he was defending him he was confident he was fast he had pace he's talking kind of talking back to reporters after he's like no this is I am now here. Like, this is now who I am. I've lost that. I kind of got that monkey off my back and here we go. So it's, it's going to be exciting for Haas. And again, they haven't spent any money this year doing anything to upgrade their car. Yeah. I mean, they came in with a very, a very good car. We knew that right from the beginning that it was much improved from last season and, and, you know, you couldn't get much worse. So they, they have done a lot of, they did a lot of the legwork in the off season and to have Kevin Magnuson step in at the beginning of the season, just what I think was a breath of fresh air for that team to get out of the shadow of the Mazepins and, and sort of, well, I think the way yeah. that, that, that team was trending was not uh, positive and to have Magnuson, Magnuson come in as a mentor to, to Schumacher. And obviously, I mean, he has no shortage of mentors. Vettel's out there as a mentor for him. I yes. know that, you know, a lot of the guys are, are wanting him to do well. Uh, a lot of the older guys, I should say, the guys who drove with his dad, wanting him to do well. And, and he's definitely um, starting to, as you say, come into his own. Of the younger drivers that we, I mean, that we haven't already seen success from, you know, excluding Norris or Russell or obviously the, the guys at Red Bull and Ferrari. But, but from the other younger guys, the Sonodas and the, and, and then to be fair, like we are seeing Zhao starting to push. He's got a pretty good car there at Alfa Romeo. But this season, uh, one of the big storylines has to be sort of the emergence of uh, of Schumacher. And look, it's going to be hard for Haas to keep him uh, in the next couple of years if he keeps driving yeah. like this because the bigger teams are going to start looking at him and licking their chops. But that, um, and that's the, that's the whole point too. Right? Sure, I mean, of course. Yeah, put him in exact situation. But Haas, yeah, would, Haas would like to get a couple more... Uh, so they'd like to milk this, 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 you know, milk it for what it's worth, get as much out of him while he's with them as they can uh, get as many points and, and continue to develop as a team. Because look, you know, for those of, there's lots of people out there. I mean, we're all three people who came to this, this sport more recently. Look, if you've come to the sport in the last couple of years, your only experience with Haas through the Netflix series and everything is pretty much 
the back funding issues. But if you go back to season <laughs> yeah. one of that Netflix show, that is right at the turning point because Haas before yes. Drive to Survive was a mid to top table team. They were fighting for fourth and fifth position mm-hmm. in the constructors. They were they that is where they were expecting to be um, moving forward into this new iteration of cars. They just had a couple really bad years. But look, they've turned their attention to the new regulations. They've, as Tyler said, they've done nothing during the season. So all of the work that's got them this success was in the engineering in the off season. That has to be a positive for them, knowing that if they can already be putting energy into next year's car, they should be fighting for fourth and fifth again. Yeah, absolutely. And if they can keep Schumacher and Magnussen together, I think that is a good fit yep. for both of them. And I mean, they're fun to watch. It is fun to watch Haas race again at the top. I'm not a big Gunther Steiner fan, but. I mean, I like to watch those drivers go around. What yeah, don't you like about Gunther Steiner? I think he's abrasive. Like he just, yeah, yeah. Feels like what's he not is. to like about him? It's at some point you have to like these guys are already under so much stress. And when it was <laughs> Grosjean and Magnussen, I don't think, I don't think Grosjean reacted well to that type of like coaching or mentorship from a director. Yeah, where yeah. He was more kind of like just let me. Th- like just calm down. But what I about the episode where he went up the mountain? You really saw his, you know, his soul. Yeah. Well, you can. Yeah, sure. <laughs> can we talk for a second, Brady? Can I just interject here for a second? You know who had a bounce back week this this week was McLaren, and more specifically Ricardo, who finished in the points. Um, mm-hmm. And I, you know, we we haven't talked a lot about it because he struggled a lot. But yeah, it was yeah, one of those like quiet race. He struggled. Yeah, but it was one of those quiet races where, like, you know, he just did what he had to do to get the points that are not like, I mean, two points is two points from a McLaren who is fighting to stay as high up in the standings as they can and get as much prize money as they can as a team, a team that I think is definitely under the, under the gun and feeling the pressure of underperforming this season. Every point is going to start to matter um, for where they end up, you know, to have Alfa Romeo leapfrog them now to have Haas pushing at them. Uh, Alpine's had a great season. Both their drivers have been putting points up. It's going to be difficult yeah. for McLaren to, to stay where they are in the driver's standing. So when you think about how big two points could be down the road it, it's really big and i think it's nice to see ricardo bounce back like that you know um I, it was just nice I, for me at least as a as you know I'm, I, I'm a ricardo fan i think he's a i i've always enjoyed um him driving and i think it's unfortunate because i think that you know since leaving red bull he has sort of had these moments of excellence but mostly it's been struggle and it's just nice to see when when he gets a little bit of that uh i don't know a little bit of that success and it's only their it's only their third double point score this year Exactly. From McLaren, which is exactly. I, I was kind of shocked by that. I was like, yeah, they, they do have two good drivers. Like Ricardo might be a little bit of a goofball and kind of past his prime, but he is a good driver. And Lando Norris is obviously one of those kids that's the next face of uh F1 for the next 10 years or so. So it, it was weird to hear that that was only the third double point score of the year. And they had a great race considering where they were on Friday. I'm I think uh Ricardo had no DRS on Friday. Like he couldn't open up his DRS wing and uh, there was break issues with Lando Norris. So considering where they were on Friday to both be in points and Jordan's right. It was very quiet for McLaren. It was just get points. It was, nobody nobody really talked about them, but uh, Lando Norris also could have finished sixth. Like he had the pace to finish sixth, but he kept getting, he got that five second penalty for track limits and, and then it just kind of lost a little bit of, of that pace. But, so that being said, Williams, Alex Albon had a great Sunday. Like it was also very quiet, but he was in the points for a majority of that race. He got passed by, I think, Botas and Alonso um, to get out of the points in the last like eight 
eight or nine laps or something, but man, he was, he's Alex Albon's really coming into his own with that Williams, like much like when Gasly got booted out of that Red Bull seat and yeah. then he won a race with Alpha Tori and he's getting podiums and he's, he's constantly in Q3 finishing sixth and on the starting grid. And, and now you're kind of seeing what Alex Albon had or has, he has the talent, but he was just never kind of given the, the reins to, to do what he wants with that Red Bull number two car. Um, and the pressure was way too high. A hundred percent. And there's something the expectations kind of goes, are a lot lower here now. Yeah. And I was thinking about this while I was watching the race, because I was watching Alex Albon and I was kind of rooting for him. I was like, get some points. Like he's, he's having a great race. He's kind of coming into his own. And that number two Red Bull car, that's second seat, that must be a tough car to drive because you're having guys constantly like Verstappen's got it figured out. Ricardo had it figured out. And then these kids had like Gasly came in and figured it out. Albon came and couldn't figure out whether that was pressure from where they need to be or the car is a little bit is, is harder to drive. And then Perez comes in, he's doing great in it. He had a rough weekend. Um, and I thought that actually just to, to go into the Perez thing, I think when he went out, I was kind of, okay, this is Ferrari's way to get back in the constructors. This yeah. is how Ferrari finishes one, two, they are set. They're like, we have at the halfway point, we've got a hell of a race coming up. Um, for the rest of the season for this constructors championship, and then signs going out at the end was signs. Unfortunately, I think he had what there were about three laps to go, roughly. Yeah, it was. I think maybe, the, yeah, maybe like five or so. Maybe five or six laps to maybe go, five. and but he was gaining, gaining on like well, he had just come out of the pit. He, he was, was gonna finish second. Yeah, he was gonna finish second. Yeah, and what a weird like the engine literally blew up. It, so you it, could see it kind of. Like it's interesting because, uh, but Bonato came out today, I guess, or yesterday. Yeah, today, Monday. He came out, uh, spoke to the Spanish uh, racing sporting news. I can't pronounce it in Spanish. A, a paper that covers uh, F1 in Spain, <laughs> uh, where Carlos Sainz is uh, a driver. And he spoke about, you know, the frustration the Ferrari was feeling. He says it's a very similar problem to what they had happen in Azerbaijan earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. So it's something they're aware of. There's clearly uh something in this engine that you know um has the risk of doing that and unfortunately it was very dramatic because the car caught fire which no one wants to see carlos Sainz is also very critical today of the fact that he felt like the marshals did not get to his car very quickly no uh although well, it was a weird he situation it, he was on to roll incline, backwards right? down a hill yeah That's sure right. but if you so if you watch <laughs> you go back and watch let's talk about this for a second because yeah, yeah, yeah. they they played the like they didn't cut away from him which I was like, okay, either cut away early, but they cut away as the thing kind of engulfed in flames. And you're like, wait, no, 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 no. You're like, we now know what's happening. Let's watch us have Where this guy jump he? out. We didn't but there's, jump out. there's like three people on the other side of the barrier with fire extinguishers just standing, standing there. They're and collecting then them. the one yeah, guy comes around with the fire extinguisher and a, the smallest wedge ever to put under a tire. Yeah. And you just see him panicking to put the wedge under. I'm like, dude, the fire extinguisher is the more important thing right now. Well, Why the are only the problem two other guys If they didn't stop across? the car from rolling, the car was online. Back, it on, the back on the track. Then you have a flying, flaming car coming straight at drivers. I think, so it was a very difficult what position. Carlos ended up doing was turning the wheels so that it, it backed yeah, up it into a... Yeah, into you know, like when you're parking on a road. Look... At the end of the yeah, day, when your car's on day, fire, <laughs> at the end of the day, you know they'll 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 break down the response and how it was or wasn't handled. Obviously, the big thing for me is Ferrari has like a ticking time bomb in all of these power units. Clearly, they yeah. have something that at any moment could fail on them, and that has to be an incredibly stressful thing. It, it, Carlos Sainz is going to go to his fourth power unit for yeah, for France. I mean, this is in in a cap. You know, world. It's a penalty, isn't it? Isn't that a penalty? I believe so. And it will. It it, it's costly. It's expensive. It's all of those things. 
having the car catch on fire cannot have helped because now you've got more components that will have been damaged than just the, um, you know, the internal power unit failure point. Um, you know, there was a bit of question marks around how, uh, Leclerc finished too, because that sounded like he was having, um, uh, gas pedal or, uh, um, the, the gas, right? Like it wasn't throttle returning. wouldn't, the yeah. throttle wouldn't release fully. So he was yeah. always his zero, his new zero level was like 20%. Yeah. Down. And these aren't like cabled throttle pedals. There's a big spring in the back there, but like something was failing and he was physically having to return it to zero with his toe, which is not, not only like difficult and impressive that he was able to finish the race and win the race, but it's also like not safe. This yeah. shouldn't, you know, this, these cars shouldn't be failing like this now unrelated to what happened to science, but regardless, I, I think we've talked a lot this season about like the, 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 the reliability issues for most teams, uh, certainly Red Bull and Ferrari. Um, and maybe it's just exacerbated by the fact that they're the ones winning and we're not paying as much attention when other teams have failures. I mean, we've seen several teams not be able to finish races, but the, the, the scrutiny obviously comes to the, to the leaders because it's costing them valuable, very valuable points. And Carlos signs, whether he's winning the race or he's finishing on the podium. I mean, that's at the end of the season, it's going to mean a lot. Uh, it's going to make a big difference for where Ferrari ends up, whether they can catch Red Bull and the constructors and, and vice versa, whether or not they make it easy for Max to sort of run away with the driver's championship. That all being said, you know, whether the performance uh, issues that Mercedes has had are, have been worked out or not, the reliability certainly has. They, all of their cars seem to have a slightly uh, reliability edge. But this is part of what happens when you got new regulations, new things being figured out. It's hard to fix these things mid-season. I don't know. I haven't seen the data. I don't know how... Like, you know, him saying it's like Azerbaijan, what, like the circumstances are the same, you know, like the exact same part failed. What is it? But yeah, I guess we'll see what, what happens as we move forward through the second half of the season. And if this continues to be a trend, you know, it becomes a very big factor. Uh, Huge so factor. Be, yeah. Because they would have they would have cut that. Like if both of them could stay on the track, they would have cut that Red Bull constructors lead like by another 20 points. Yeah. And very possibly Max is fighting for third instead of second in the, or the lead. So I want to talk about lap 24 because lap, oh, yeah. 24, lap 24 was something was crazy. extremely exciting yeah, so... happened. There was cars. It was like five wide. So Norris, Magnuson, Alonzo, Schumacher, and Zhao, all of them were packed together. And every single one of them thought that they could be yeah. coming out of these turns yeah. in first place. And I think Norris actually is the one that gained the most. I think he got three, yeah. he jumped up three places in it, but holy yeah. shit, was that exciting? Like, well, it was it Alonzo, was like, it was Alonzo on Zhao to start. And it was like, Oh, Alonzo is going to take Zhao here in this corner. And then while he was trying to get the move done, all of a sudden Magnuson was on his tail and then yeah. they just kept arriving. It was like, literally it was like, it was like you say five, five abreast. They were all coming around those corners, at least three wide. It got, really really crazy that there wasn't contact that was it was i'm shocked if, there, if there you wasn't ever contact. want a single frame uh from this yeah. season to demonstrate how effective these cars are in close quarters there it is that was fantastic yeah and no one crashed which was the best part no one took anybody out and i bet you if gas was in there he probably would have taken them all out but uh it, yeah it was five wide it was super exciting nobody crashed it got out of there and it was just like okay this is awesome this is what they wanted all year, and they're constantly getting it. Every race, we're talking about how someone is behind following someone else, and they're just weird passes all the time. Hamilton last week getting past two Perez and uh, signs, I believe, just while they're fighting. It's oh, it's that it brings back like old school dog fighting. Yep, yeah. and it's totally. and it's fun with the. I mean, it's well, we talked about a few fans that were not uh, uh, at their best behavior but the the having the fans makes that just as much you know just as mm -hmm. 
as much excitement uh, as possible because you can hear it and i'm sure that the drivers can hear it too right it's yes it's energetic it's it's fun when you have the drivers at the top like the ferrari guys and verstappen um at their home tracks because you have that very heavy fan base like hamilton last week at silverstone like when they made passes you hear it and you hear the crowd it's very exciting so botas started in the garage he did yeah. not start in That's the right. pit lane. He was yeah. on jacks in the garage when the race started with warming blankets on the tires, and he still finished 11th. Yep. That's I, yeah, I, I was shocked. I saw him in there. I was like, why even come out? If you're starting on jacks when the, the lights drop, why, <laughs> what are we talking about? And then I was like, he finished 11th. That's crazy. Yeah, we saw a similar thing last year in one race with Vettel. They had a hard time getting his car started, and so they ended up, taking it back in the garage, fixing or changing something out and getting him out in time. But yeah, it's interesting. Certainly uh, impressive to see. And when Perez sort of dropped the back, you know, I think I remarked at the time, well, Perez likes it in the back here. He's often the one who comes from behind and makes a big you know, statement out of this, but clearly he was having car issues and they didn't want to risk it because it, at that point, you know, the cost, the cost benefit of driving a a sort of a a wounded car is not worth it when you have to think about the cost cap. So they obviously retired his car for that reason, but. And then the last thing I, I have for this Austrian Grand Prix is, um, well, there's two things actually. One is fun and one is just, I don't think Russell should have been penalized. I think that was weird. Um, it was a Gasly bit strange. Yeah, it was a bit strange. Gasly definitely took out Vettel, but but Russell and Perez, Perez had room to move over on the track. That's the rules. You have to leave a car length. Perez yeah. had it plus more. I don't know why Russell was penalized there. I thought that was weird. Um, but then you I think saw I guess the it, yeah, apparently it was well and it was apparently precedent because apparently last year a very similar incident happened at the same corner and there was a five second penalty so i think that unfortunately yeah. for russell it may not have been given the same kind of independent scrutiny it was like oh that happened here this has happened here before this is what we do so and the second was thing it? is now i hope that anytime someone passes yuki sonoda they're waved their finger at him just like alonzo <laughs> did that was awesome to see Right on. Okay. Well, that was the Austrian Grand Prix. This episode of the Pit Stop Podcast is brought to us by Busy Bee Vegan Skincare. Busy Bee is an all-natural skincare line dedicated to healthy, vegan, plant-based skincare and overall wellness. They offer a selection of handcrafted body scrubs, butters, and washes that not only make your skin glow, but smell amazing. Their unique all-natural scents include gingerbread, ruby grapefruit, caramel cake and morning latte so why not treat your skin to something fresh and all natural head over to shop busybevegan.com today and as a special bonus busybee is offering listeners of this podcast a 15 percent discount on your first order with the code ordinary podcasts okay we've got uh the french grand prix coming at us in i think two weeks time now yes uh, july 24th the lenovo grand prix de france at the paul ricard track uh tyler circuit. is circuit that's right it's french circuit 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 the paul ricard uh tyler is pierre gasly going to have a great race in his hometown i i after the last three weeks i can't say that he is i hope I can wear my Gasly hat proudly on Sunday and all weekend, really, um, well, in two Sundays. But I don't know. He's in a little bit of a rut right now, and uh, I don't know. I went back and I watched last year's uh, French Grand Prix, and the first thing I remembered is that this is one of the coolest-looking tracks, I think, on the circuit. It's, it's the white line, and then there's just miles of blue and red lines. There's more 
lines outside of the track and that are just, there's more space outside the track than there is on the track, actually. Um, it's, but Verstappen won last year. Uh, he won on the, the, he passed Hamilton on lap 52 of 53 last year to take the win. It's, this is going to be a two-stop race, probably. It's, they always, this is the funny thing about the beginning of the track. Everyone says, all right, this is plan A, plan B are one stops. And usually you always see two or three stops. Last year, this was a two-stop track. Uh, it's, it's fat, like it's, it's fast. It's kind of evenly distributed, but there's, it looks like a, um, a bottle opener. If you look at the track, yeah, it yeah. looks very much like a bottle opener, but it's got some fast sectors, only two, two DRS zones, but I don't, I don't know, Gasly. I will ask you the exact same question for the other countryman, uh, Esteban Ocon. Well, Ocon, uh, I think Ocon has a better chance based on previous results to have a, a, a very positive weekend than, than yeah, also, Gasly does. He's been he's right, hot up right now too. Oh yeah. That's what I mean. He's, he's been doing really, really well. So yeah, uh, yeah, he'll be looking yesterday. to, he'll be looking to have a good, uh, have a good race. And as Tyler said, this is one of the, the most iconic and, and, and one of the more fun tracks recently in formula one. Um, uh, you know, it's got some, some really great f- features to it. You know, the, I, I believe the, the two corners that sort of have the most, I don't know the the history or whatever. There's the signs corner, uh, where there's basically a 290 kilometer now a right hander. Um, so yeah. the cars are just ripping through that. And then there's what they call the 5G joyride at Beset Bend. So there's an area there where the G forces on the cars again at full speed, just just a, a high high speed uh, track. It's got some high medium and low speed corners. So all kinds of different challenges for the drivers. And yet, as Tyler said, lots of runoff area. Uh, this mm-hmm. is not a tight track. There are all overtaking opportunities um, and some spaces where we've seen some really good uh, battles that we should, again, with these new cars, get even better and, and get even tighter racing, hopefully. Um, weather permitting, uh, that's a big factor always in France. Uh, but it, it, it it's a lot it's of fun. It's usually pretty good there, though. Where that track, track is located in France, it's usually pretty good weather. Now, we always tease each other about making like perfect transitions, and I have one here for you. And so I, you're going to evaluate me after on how well I do t- teeing this up. There's other F1 news, which we often fit into this section of the show. And I'm, here's how I'm going to connect it. Paul Ricard, or Circuit the Paul Ricard, is owned. Uh, the actual track and the, and the grounds there is owned by former Formula One CEO, oh, Bernie Ecclestone. Oh, I, I don't want to talk about this, this guy. Bernie Ecclestone has just been charged with fraud on assets over $400 million in four assets. My question to you is, how much of the $400 million is Paul Ricard worth? Like... What else does this guy own that he's not clearly? Anyway, it, it's big news for Formula One because <laughs> Bernie Ecclestone is a big part, a big architect of what modern Formula One is. He's a big, big figure in all of it. So it's a, it's a sideshow, sure, but it's it'll definitely be discussed. It, and now yeah. we're going to the track. It's going to be discussed all week. All oh, yeah. week it's going to be discussed. Yeah, now he's tarring the, the name. And anyway. about so yeah, I mean it is like there's there was a lot of off off the track news this week that I'm sure people don't really want to hear because it's not it just goes away pretty quickly as well but this track specifically is one of the better overtaking tracks on the circuit on the circuit so there will be a lot of passing this will be exciting and even if you don't like racing the track is so cool looking i cannot stress enough how cool (laughs) this track looks i love it it's my favorite look probably nobody who doesn't like racing is listening to this right now 
<laughs> it might be the like the wives or husbands of somebody that do does <laughs> so like, possibly oh, listen oh shoot we got oh i gotta go check that out <laughs> well i hope that's the case and then they will become race fans once they see the bottle opener of the track that this is yeah it is a bottle opener and obviously verstappen won last year uh hamilton yes. came in second so um you know uh I think we can expect the same two teams to be competing for the top of the podium as we have all season. It's pretty much a Ferrari and Red Bull runaway, but uh, Hamilton and uh, Russell should be expected to be pushing here too. Cause this is another track very similar to Silverstone uh, that yeah. should favor the upgrades that their cars have. There's lots of spaces for them to be making high speed turns, which are, or, uh, which is what their cars right now are succeeding at. It's the low speed corners that they've been struggling with. So there is space and opportunity for them to be pushing. I would expect that you're going to see some really good Mercedes times during final practices. The question is, can they return that into success during uh, qualifying and actually during the race? Obviously that's a big factor, but Hey, you never know. And we don't know what the status of, Carlos Sainz power unit is going to be whether they put an old power unit back in and try to wait a, a, another couple races for that new one to take the penalty. Um, there'll be some strategy at play there for Ferrari um, and, and, and trying to figure all of those sort of nuances of, of, you know, this cap world that they're now living in out and, and we'll see what happens. So, but yeah, it should be fun regardless that this is a track, like all of the excitement we got in, in um, at the British Grand Prix with, with what Silverstone offers, this is a very similar track. It has the yeah. potential for the same kind of excitement and drama. It's not short and tight like what we just saw this weekend. Look, it was a good race, but it was not as dramatic as what we saw the week before. This is definitely, Paul Ricard is a great track. It just sucks be, that it takes two weeks to get there. Because uh, those, like, right. those last two races were so good that there's so much momentum for the rest of the season to get going. I know we're at the halfway point, but now it's kind of like, okay, well, now I got to wait two weeks. This is, I don't want to do that. Well, I well, start watching practice on Friday. <laughs> you can watch last year's. I already watched last year's. <laughs> watched it today. <laughs> go back and watch two years from now. Two years well, ago. You're going to get two back-to-back coming up, right? So we'll have France, then yeah. we'll go to Hungary, which is always fun. And I believe then you're going to have the summer break. So you got to wait for the first two weeks of August. So enjoy these next, enjoy your week off, but then the next two races, enjoy them because you're going to have a little bit of a break. Yeah. And I was, I was going to mention that to change a power engine, I liked what Hamilton did last year at the Brazilian, which is when we do our next sprint race, because you do get kind of that cheat where you can use it, your penalty in a sprint race instead of the regular race. But that mm-hmm. Brazilian race is the second last race of the year. So people aren't going to be waiting for that. If they have to make power changes, there's, there's nine races before that. So um, if there, if someone's going to have to take penalties, everyone's going to take penalties at some point before we get to the next sprint race. Yeah. And, and as I say, we're at the halfway point, but it's also going to get, start getting real busy because once we get through, um, hungry, once we get into September, it's literally like a race a week. You're at the Netherlands, then at Monza, then yeah. at Singapore, which we haven't seen in a few years and Japan, which we haven't seen in quite a few years. Uh, and then back to the United States and they do all, uh, all that. It's going to be an awesome fall. <laughs> uh, we'll take a week here, two races, a little break, and then it's just going to be all full tilt at that point. So it should be fun. And I say, I say funny season, funny season. If you don't know uh, F1 that well yet is when drivers start signing for other teams with like eight races left, we were right on the cusp of that happening. So look for more rumors and things to start heat up. So you can still Google F1 for the next two weeks to see if any of that stuff's happening. Yeah. For the, the summer break that's coming is also the prime 
the prime spot for that. We expected a little yeah. bit of news here uh, two weeks ago at Silverstone. We have not yet got it, which was the whole Oscar Piastri part. So that's still that's still in the queue. Something is going to happen there. He will get signed somewhere. Yep. Um, I think he'll be a driver next season. I, I, I still stand by that, but we'll see where it is. That kind of sounds so much like the uh, Blade Runner Oscar Pistorius. I, I kind of had to shake my head there like, what? He's now an F1 driver and out of prison? But no, obviously we're talking about Oscar Piastri. Is that guy still in prison? Blade Runner, is. that's what they call him. He did right? murder yeah. his girlfriend. Yeah, ho- hopefully he is <laughs> not driving an F1 car next year. That will be Oscar Piastri. Um, bold predictions here for the French Grand Prix, Tyler? um bold predictions i think there's another mercedes on podium probably george russell hopefully and i think that uh i think haas gets double points again oh nice jordan i think uh you have an alpine um i think you'll have an alpine uh in the top four either on the podium or or just outside i think alpine this is a race that alpine is going to really really be ready to to go for and it's going to be a race where i think a couple teams that we expect to be at the top are going to have some kind of issue whether it's another yeah that means engine issues or something um but it's we 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 joked a couple weeks ago again about alonzo being like now's the moment alpine has been waiting for to pounce midway through a race where something ahead of them goes wrong they're just standing there all race long waiting for that door to open and when it is they're not going to miss their chance to jump in there and i think that this might be one of those races where uh, they could be waiting in the wings to pounce It'd be, it would be very cool with Ocon. I'm going to go with uh, a double DNF for the Red Bull team and, oh, uh, and a podium I, finish for a team that is not one of Red Bull, Ferrari, or Mercedes. Well, that, that could be the Ocon team. That could be Alpine team. Could and very well, maybe. Let's hope it's Gasly, though. Come on, Gas. Get back That'll in. That would be it, awesome. Shake be your head. Awesome. Get in there. Let's go. At least some points. Come on, eh? it's gonna be the points. Get top ten, Gasly. Come on, let's go. This is not who you are. This is not who you are, Gasly. Get out there and be who you are. All right, we got the French Grand Prix coming at us. July twenty second practice goes. July twenty third, we got practice three and qualifying, and July twenty fourth, the race. Early, early morning. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks guys for joining me. And that was been Sub Podcast. Pitstop Podcast is a presentation of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. Thanks for listening. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include... Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations and we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live create and share stories on these territories the ordinary podcasting network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination but a journey and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space